1: Folks, welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal, Ryan. And this, I guess, is your Friday episode, even though I'm releasing it Friday afternoon. But to tell you, I got to tell you, I thought it was honestly, I thought it was Saturday. So I wasn't even planning on releasing, actually. But I had the most fabulous conversation today with our guest. And I said, I need to release this today. I want this out as soon as possible. Uh, and I thought it was a great way to end the year. I think this is a fabulous conversation. Our guest is Melissa Reich. She hosts a podcast called Your Bish Therapist B I S H, and it says serving clinical interpretations of pop culture. And I just think she is fantastic. I think you're going to love her if you if you know her. You already love her. If you don't, I think you're going to fall in love with her. And you know, she is a, a therapist herself and she comes at it with just this amazing knowledge. And I just, I, I could have talked to her for like hours more. Um, and I, I can't wait to talk to her again. That's how much I really like this. So I think you're going to like this conversation. If you don't, I loved it. So I'm glad I had the experience. Uh, but listen, we, we, it's the, the 29th, Friday, the 29th. So you have two days to lose that 20 pounds that you promised you were going to lose in 2023, uh, learn a foreign language, uh, do some charity work. Every every resolution you made in 2023, you have to complete it in the next two days or you're not allowed to make resolutions for 2024. That is not true at all, but it, uh, yeah, let's just go with that. So how the heck is everybody doing? Is everybody good? Is everybody, man, what an end to the year. <laughs> what an end to the year. Um, I hope everybody's hanging in there. I hope uh, you guys had some rest, some relaxation. I hope you're going to have the best New Year's Eve ever with friends and family or even by yourself where you watch something cool on TV. Now, this is actually, I've always used this joke in the past, but I actually took it serious this year and did the work for you. Now, if you want to ring in the New Year's, with Meredith Marks and one of her infamous, famous lines from this season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I did the work for you. If you start Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Season 4, Episode 3, right at 11.27 p.m. on New Year's Eve, you'll be able to ring in New Year's and say goodbye to that pesky 2023 right at the moment where Meredith Marks proclaims, You can leave! Meredith Marks, aka Gandalf. Uh, I mean, what an icon! Meredith Marks, it, earlier in the season of Salt Lake City, just immediately had so many iconic moments, especially in Episode Three, because that was also my favorite, uh, my favorite rant. Which we're just gonna play one more time. Let's just close out 2023 with my favorite Meredith Marks rant. If I
2: were to go for the
0: jugular and talk about this. The rumors and nastiness <laughs> about her. Oh, you do
1: that, you, can you do know it. what? You want me to go there with her husband? I, I can you. go there. Don't Yo. fuck with me, okay? Tell her. to fucker! do you be? I once again, I really, truly, I, I you know, I trained uh, as a Shakespearean actor earlier in my uh, illustrious career, and I will never get anywhere near the vocal work, the range the passion that Meredith Marks shared with us in that scene. (laughs) And also then after that, she does the, you can leave. Very few people are doing it like Meredith Marks. But if you want to ring in the new year that way, you, you got to start it at that exact time. And I think that is truly great because I want to get the that. I want to get the F out of 2023. What a so many amazing things happen, sure, but so many horrible things happen as well. And I know it's just uh it's just that kind of, I mean, you know, a new year. It's the same days, it's the same that, but there is something symbolic about a new year, right? There is something that uh there is that little piece of you, no matter how old you get, that you kind of potentially hope that things might get better that things might actually be better than the previous year and you you were all full of piss and vinegar and hope and all of those good things and and you convince your body that this is the you know this year this is the year everything potentially goes my way and listen let's live in that let's live in that hope let's live in that what if what if and then by January 15th we can throw all that away but For this period of time, maybe we can try to live in that hope and try to think about the times that made us laugh and maybe give respect and homage to the times that made us cry. But overall, remember, there is a lot of laughter left to laugh. Uh, also, while we're on playing Meredith Mark, since I've got the soundboard up, let's just play Lisa Barlow's rant from the previous season, just for shits and giggles.
0: Meredith can go f*** herself. I'm done with her. Because I'm not a f***ing whore, and I don't cheat on my husband. i a dumb family that poses. Why don't you own a house? Wait, you can't. Because your husband changes jobs every five minutes? Thank Meredith. is a piece of f. I I have your back, and I'm offended by that. F*** you. That f***ing piece of f***. whore. I hate her. She's a whore. She's half of New York. She
1: can go fuck herself. She fucked half of New York. Lisa Barlow. You know, Lisa Barlow and Meredith Marks, two sides of the same coin, right? Uh, Lisa Barlow had that hot mic moment that I really never thought that Meredith would forgive her for i thought they would never come back from that but in true housewives magic fashion they did manage to come back from that and even though they've had their tiffs this season most recently in the past couple of episodes lisa going you're lying again you're sending fake dms just be honest just own it and now it turns out monica might have sent all this stuff but i love that even in this last episode on the same episode where lisa was calling her a fucking liar uh, later they're taking selfies in the back of a sprinter van these sprinter vans magic happens on these sprinter vans I can't explain it I, I it's just it's wild so uh glad I gotta be able to play those clips for I just love those do <laughs> you just love those clips uh listen I'm gonna talk about uh, just a few really quick things before we get to this interview because I'm so happy to share this with you um let's see here oh this is this is amazing you guys TMZ let us know that rihanna you guys know rihanna rihanna and guess who kyle Ry- kyle mother Evan richards and i wanted to do this story because me and melissa talk a lot about kyle richards in this episode and it's just great so rihanna and kyle richards meet for first time on aspen shopping spree asap rocky uh rihanna's husband and mauricio joins too there's photos of mauricio and asap rocky put together i mean we need to like is it ASAP Rocky, now I feel like ASAP should uh, give him the name of ASAP um- Umansky potentially. And what if Mauricio's like, Starts calling ASAP like Love Bean, oh Love Bean, oh my my ASAP love bean, no, oh, oh Kyle, do not show ASAP your tattoos. Oh, she did too many of them. Have you met Morgan? Have you met Morgan? But there's photos of in in Hallowed Ground. Of course, I'm talking about kimosabi the iconic hat store that I think Kyle Richards put on the map where she likes to do a lot of her Mumford and Sons hats shopping, where they'll brand the hat for you, they'll treat it, all on that, and that was where the iconic scene happened, where uh, remember remember that lady that used to be on The Housewives? She's, uh, she's married to Harry Hamlin. Um, remember that scene where Lisa Reno sidles up to the bar, and is like, hey, my friend Kendall Jenner, I cash him. <laughs> my my friend Kendall Jenner ate when eight tequila, and Kathy got all upset, because Kathy... I didn't even realize had a tequila line. So many great memories that aren't our own that we enjoy on television. But anyways, Rihanna and you, you have a picture of Rihanna, Kyle, and all of Kyle's daughters. I mean, there is so much power in that photograph. I mean, they are really, and you got to think, man, Kyle in those moments are is just like, what is my life? Because housewife's fame is pretty, it's powerful, right? But Rihanna fame that's another level. Even Mauricio's going to be like, Oh my God, let's play it. Cool. We're we're with Rihanna and ASAP. We've got to play it. Cool. I mean, I mean, I feel like this is potentially paving the way for a Rihanna cameo at some point on Beverly Hills. Now, uh, this is another idea that I'll throw out there. Remember when Nicki Minaj, uh, actually masterfully did a part of the Potomac reunion and she did really good. What about Rihanna? Andy, if you're listening, what about Rihanna? um doing a little bit of the Beverly Hills reunion because we know Rihanna is an insanely large housewives fan i would be totally imagine Rihanna sitting there and staring you down and and like really getting into the weeds oh my god and and Rihanna watches all these episodes so i wonder if Rihanna's like hey What's the deal with you and Morgan? What's going on? Like, what's going on with Sutton? Like, I wonder if they're really, if Rihanna like digs in or if she plays it cool. And since Rihanna actually does watch these shows, you know, just because she's Rihanna doesn't mean she can't have fangirl moments as well. Does Rihanna fangirl in those moments? So curious about all of that. Um, also, I'll give you a, a dad update. I was texting with dad earlier earlier. He says to say hello to, to the nice people. And, uh, he is babysitting my niece and nephew right now, uh, for a couple of days. Cause my sister and her husband, uh, went on a little like two day vacation. And, uh, he's, you know, he's actually, he's sleeping in a real bed there because my dad still sleeps on the couch. And he says, I'm a bed guy from now on. I think it'll be tough sleeping in our bed again, thinking of mom, but I'll enjoy the memories, lots of memories. It's kind of been a tough morning thinking of mom be- and, uh, mom and became very sad and emotional. I'm better now. Um, just took a shower and I feel, <laughs> feel pretty good. I c- couldn't make it without all of you. I'm so blessed. Just wish it wasn't so sad. It is what it is. Sorry. Didn't mean to go on and on. I love you. And I, you know, listen, there's a lot of things I don't obviously share about my life, but this one, you know, I'm always happy to share all this stuff with my mom and dad. Just, you know, they've been on the show since the beginning. They've the, been my parents since the, the beginning. And a lot of this I wasn't able to really handle, and still I'm not in a lot of ways. But what I think is fascinating about this is that my dad was always my dad. Like my dad was never Mr. Emotional. He was Mr. Funny, but never Mr. Emotional. And I, when I read these, I get, I get sad, of course, you know, because we're talking about something that we're all sad about, but I also get so proud of him because, you know, for him to say, I love you with two exclamation points, I'm not joking. Like I, there's no joke in there. they like, that really means something. It means something that he's really trying to get in touch with these feelings and recognizing his emotions and really sitting in that. I think it's just weird though, because it's like, I would do anything to make him not sit in these emotions. Like I, you know, sometimes I will forget about my own sadness because I'm just want to help him with his sadness. And I said, uh, I wrote, and I thought I I was pretty proud of this actually. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'm sad at least a couple of times a day. And it always hits at weird moments. Just get through one hour at a time. I guess I will be very happy to start a new year. I think we Bailey's feel things very deeply. And mom was something who is worth feeling very deeply about. I read something the other day that made sense to me. Life works best when we remember. The whole point of life is to have these memories, good and bad. It's the only thing that gives life meaning. Unfortunately, nothing in this world is forever, but our memories can be. I love you. And he just said, life is, life, he said, life is memories, good and bad, mostly good. We are an emotional family, and that's good. We are a loving and caring family. Thank you, Mom. We love and always will miss you. Thank you. And I said, hopefully she has a good phone data plan in heaven and can see this. And my dad wrote, she knows. And uh, that's it. I'm hoping not to talk about my mom and all of this a lot in 2024. Um, And uh, But I wanted to share that with you because we are closing out the year. And this has been, I think, the biggest thing that happened to me this year. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm really happy to get out of 2023. But, you know. Also, I'm sharing this because so many people, so many of you guys out there shared your stories with me and are going through really similar things right now. Or even one lady wrote me and said, she's going through this currently. And I I was thinking about all you guys and thinking about this and thinking about how tough it is and thinking about how life is so flipping tough sometimes. I mean, not sometimes, right? All the time. And- I have a moment in this interview with Melissa where I'm just like, what is the whole point? What are we doing? How do we, how do we get out of bed every morning and do this again and again and again, like once more into the breach every day, because sometimes life will just flatten you. And and of course, you know, that sometimes is based on your own actions and sometimes life will just flatten you and you have uh, no warning. You have no, um, I don't know. It's just weird. I've been thinking about life so much um, this past year. But I wanted to thank you guys as we end the year. Uh, Thank you for always being consistent with me. Uh, Thank you for uh, being supportive. Thank you even for your criticism when it is deserved. Uh, I appreciate all of that. Um, And I I really do hope the best for everybody in 2024. I really, really do. Um, I hope uh, because everything does seem so heavy right now, right? Everything seems so immeasurably ha- heavy, not just with our own personal lives, but the world and how much suffering there is out there. And uh, it's one of those things that I guess we have to accept. We do what we can. We try to look at the positive, even though it is one of the hardest things that you could possibly do. And then we try to keep our head down and get things done and just, uh, just get through it. Uh, Melissa, our guest, says uh, the only way out is through. The only way out is through. And I think a lot of my life I have used the only way out is, uh, to run away completely at full speed from it instead of going through it. And, uh, so I'm going through it. We're all going through it and, and we'll do it together. And, uh, that's, that's it. So that's it. That's my closing salvo of 2023 FU 2023. And I look forward to meeting you 2024 Thank you guys so much. Now let's get to this amazing guest. Who I do a big old intro, but I'm telling you, you are going to love this conversation. I hope this doesn't get uh, passed over because everybody has holidays and stuff like that. So you know, please, I hope you're listening even a week from now or two weeks from now to this episode because I think it's great. We cover a lot of Beverly Hills. We cover a lot of how where she, you know how she got to where she is right now. We talk about Southern Charm. We uh, we talk about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. so much goodness in here and i think she is just great so go and support her and uh that's it i will talk to you guys next week in 2024 you can leave 2023 Folks, welcome to an all new so bad. It's good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal, Ryan. This is presented by Betches Media. And today we have a fantastic guest for you. I am so excited. I've been excited to talk to her for a minute now. She has a fairly new podcast that I think you're going to be obsessed with. Now, the great thing about this show is is that I can actually, uh, now I can put you in the path of really great things to listen to and watch. And I think I'm doing this today because I have listened to a bunch of her episodes and I just think they're fantastic. With my show, you know, sometimes it's primarily, uh, whether you believe it or not, a comedy podcast. And we sometimes will stumble upon something that has meaning or something that I derive meaning from it. But this person actually... She does this as work. She has a basis of knowledge to actually be able to give educated uh, observations about behavior that we see with these reality show characters. And through that, we get a fuller picture of these shows that we love so much and these characters that we sometimes get so frustrated with. But what I love about her is that she reminds us that we are there's behavior at play that can help us to empathize with these characters, that give us a roadmap to see why we're seeing the behavior that we're seeing. Now, most recently, she posted something about Kyle Richards from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And if you listen to this show, I kept saying from the beginning, we're missing a huge piece. We are missing a huge piece with Kyle Richards that I don't think people are picking up on. And she did a post that I think was just so brilliant. And it kind of had like it went crazy. It went a little viral in terms of the Bravo audience. And I think rightfully so. But. I hope that got more people to her podcast. And I hope today gets more people to her podcast. We're going to talk about everything. So her podcast is, write this down, Your Bish Therapist. And that's not B-I-T-C-H. That's B-I-S-H. And what do we do, if anybody is kind enough to come on this show, we subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we rate it five stars. Because I think what she'll tell you, as well as I'll tell you, is that a lot of work goes into these things. Uh, listen, you could make the argument that I am crazy for doing this in the first place, but since I agree with you, you always want to give five stars just to satiate my ego and anybody else's ego. And for the hard work and time they put into this. So this is one of the longer intros I've done in a while, but I'm so excited to have her on. So ladies and gentlemen, Melissa Reich, Melissa, how are you? Reich. Melissa Reich. Melissa
2: Reich. Did I do it? I screwed up. Melissa Reich.
1: (laughs) Melissa, which is, which is it, Melissa?
2: It's Reich. Oh it's my God, right. I told
1: her, I told her beforehand I was going to screw up her last name. And what did I do? I screwed up your last name. I, that's how, What? what is that behavior, Melissa? Tell me what's wrong with me.
2: Listen, it's called anxiety because when, because when. When I record my when I record my podcast, Ryan, I swear to you, I ask my audience. I've said the same thing. I will practice a name to the point where it's obsessive compulsive, and then I will get on. I will record, and it will fly out of my brain. And I'm like, oh god! So you are in great company, my friend. Oh, and Melissa, thank I've, you I've so a- much.
1: I have to put my name in the title of the podcast just because if not, I'll probably forget it. I'm like so bad. It's good with Ryan Bailey? Question mark. Um. So Melissa, just explain to the audience for those who don't know you, uh, and and for those who aren't chronically online. And congrats to all those who aren't chronically online. Yeah. What What do you
2: specialize
1: in? You know, because there's a lot of letters that go after your name. What do mm-hmm. they mean? Explain to me your background. What's your background?
2: Sure. So my background is I have a bachelor's in in uh, psychology from Penn State University, we are, and um, then I went to graduate school, and I have a master's degree in clinical psychology from LaSalle University. And then after about 3,000 hours of actual work in the field and multiple internships and It took forever. I now have an LPC, which is a licensed professional counselor. So in the state in which I live, I have the license. I have my license. I couldn't practice in California. Um, And it sounds like I probably wouldn't want to. Uh, Therapy in LA sounds wild.
1: Oh, (laughs) Melissa. Melissa, you don't even understand. I, I've been, uh, I have a therapy appointment right after this today. And mm-hmm. I, I've, you know, I've had therapists in the past and now I have a couple of different therapists, which we won't get into, but, uh, over the last period of time, I've been trying to find the right one. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the most difficult tasks, mm-hmm. you know, because you go through your insurance company, if you're lucky to have insurance and they yep. sent me like a 147 page document of mm-hmm. everybody, I think in Los Angeles. And then you're going through all of these names and you're like, I don't even know, you know. Like none of some of Mm -hmm. these have websites. Some of them don't, and you're like, I don't even know if these are good or not. And it is such a scary process to find somebody. They they make it so hard to actually Mm -hmm. get help sometimes.
2: That's right, and and so part of why I started this is because I want I want therapy to be accessible to people, and so it's not that I do therapy, but I share a lot of wisdom, you know, from my work. I've been, you know, in the field for about twenty three years now, and um, to your point. It's so frustrating, number one. And number two, I believe what truly makes therapy magic is the connection between the therapist and the client, truly. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm, I know. And so it's so frustrating because it's like you work yourself up to get the courage to go. And then you go and you're like, I don't know if this is a great fit. And it just feels so defeating. So here's what I'm going to suggest to everybody listening. Um, Psychologytoday.com. They – it's like Tinder for therapists (laughs) – I mean, not quite tender, but you get the uh, point. Yeah, well, it's, it's, <laughs> let's walk
1: that back a little bit. It's really just right. mainly finding a therapist. Yeah,
2: Right. But <laughs> it's nice because they all, so all the therapists on there have to be verified. They have to be, have profiles and pictures and it says what insurances they take. And so you can really search, right? If you're looking for a certain male or female, if you're looking for non-binary, if you're looking for someone who takes a certain insurance, if you're looking for specialties. So for example, I special in dealing with anxiety, depression, and chronic illness. Those are my um, specialties, but they will list, you know, all of their specialties. And then that can help you kind of narrow it down. Cause I feel like people oh. are good at vibes, you know, like you yeah. might be able to look at a picture and be- get a vibe. So yeah. that's kind of what I recommend. Well,
1: I mean, I, and I've been on psychology today a lot, actually. And what I think is so cool about that in particular, they also let the therapist say a mission statement, um, yes. we, you know, through the work that we do together, we can do this, 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 mm-hmm. and this is a little bit of how I approach the work. And that's what you don't get from insurance documents. You, you know, you, right. you just get a name, you get a location, you get basic, like, and that's, you know, your insurance will cover, but psychology today has been a great resource, but you're right about the vibes. Like I was talking to certain people just on a call. And I was like, I don't, I don't like your voice. I mean, I didn't say that out loud, but sure, I was like, I, sure. I, 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 and, but, yeah. but how petty, like how petty, but it's such a crap shoot with therapy because you're, you're really banking on, you're already in a tender spot. You're mm-hmm. already in a place of, I don't know why my mind works the way it does. Mm-hmm. And then you're having to also then be a secretary for yourself on top of that. And my mom always said, mm-hmm. you have to be your best advocate. And Uh, that, you know, you have to be your best health advocate. And she really, in the last couple of years, especially drilled that into me of like you and my mom, my mom made it a full-time job to, you know, and she had about 10 different doctors near the end and each one of those. And I just thought, how crazy is the medical system that even these doctors, they weren't communicating with each other. So my mom, like, I mean, communicating together effectively, my mom would have to catch that. and, Mm -hmm. And I was like, she... She's not a doctor. She's not a, I just found it wild.
2: It is wild. And I'm so grateful you said that because, um, you know, your mom and, and I know she's passed and, um, you know, my condolences what? because she's Melissa, she's- what?
1: What? Wait, no! Don't tell me that. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, she just sounded like an amazing <laughs>
2: woman. But I really always say that is that you do have to be your own best advocate. Nobody is going to do it for you, whether it's physical health or mental health. Which, by the way, they're the they're they're one thing. Like. They're not separate things. People like to think that they're separate, but they really are not Um, because I also have a lot of chronic health issues. And so I fully understand where your mom was coming from with it's like I'm an administrative assistant with all of my mental and physical health issues. And it really is a full time job. It's so hard.
1: Yeah, I was I was listening to your episodes and you brought up uh, that, you you know, your chronic illness and Mm -hmm. that you were taking a little bit of a break from your podcast. And I want to remind people, you can listen to all these episodes. uh, You know, you can you can just fully uh, binge all of these in the past and you'll catch up on all of this season of a lot of the Bravo shows. But she's returning back in the middle of January. And I believe she's going to start off with Paris and Love season two, which Mm -hmm. if you listen to my Patreon episode on Paris and Love season two or even this podcast, I found it so uh, psychologically uh, tantalizing because of the Kathy Hilton of it all and to uh, really understand a little bit more of why Paris Hilton the way is the way she is. And then uh-huh. also, it ties so much into Kyle Richards and the things that you've been talking about, Kyle, in regards to Beverly Hills. But my question to you in terms of your, you know, why, Melissa, why do this? Because when you put yourself in a position of you're already helping people, but you're then throwing yourself into a Bravo audience that is rabid. We really pick apart every moment. And, and not all of that is good. We really, we have a path of destruction, I think, a lot when it comes to these Bravo liberties, myself included, that I think then we pick up those tendencies and we throw them into our everyday lives. Why put yourself in this driver's seat of doing something that is Fascinating, helpful, entertaining to listen to. And I learned something. But why put through your own emotional health through that?
2: That is such a good question. I ask myself that literally every day. <laughs> like, why did I do this? Why? <laughs> so the short answer is that I got my start actually from Amy Phillips, who says hi, by the I way. I love she Amy. So she So mm-hmm. she
1: is the... Guys, I've told... I heard... If you ever get to see her do her one-woman show, I mean, it is... I, I, she is so damn talented. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, and I know she's already super successful, but I was, I was watching a movie last night. And I was like, Amy Phillips should be in this movie. Amy Phillips should mm-hmm. be like, she's just so talented, but mm-hmm. again, you got, so Amy, Amy kind of discovered you. Is that <laughs> how it worked?
2: Essentially, yeah, I mean, the long story short, and by the way, you're right, Amy is truly the nicest, kindest, oh. most loving, authentically amazing humans, which you you and I both know. you don't find that in this business, in fact, usually quite the opposite, yeah, woof, woof. I could tell some stories, but oh. um. Amy essentially so back when she was on SiriusXM um, doing Reality Check, she was she had announced that she was going to do her podcast, Drama Darling, which by the way, everyone should subscribe to that. She is and amazing, uh,
1: an amazing Patreon too. You guys, oh, she yeah. like. Puts like a lot of stuff over in the Patreon, and also she's really nice. But I don't want to leave out she's wickedly funny. It's not oh, like she she's wickedly funny. Yeah,
2: wickedly, wickedly funny. Like I'll text her, which it's like real, I'm texting Amy Phillips. Whose life is this? Um, and she will just say some of the most. She'll just like drop wisdom, humor, and I'm like, you are the most amazing person. But so she had asked a question on Reality Checked about a psychotropic medication. And of course, being a therapist, I had the answer to that. And so I DM'd her. And um, you know how Amy used to say, call herself your bitch wife? Yeah. You know, that was her yeah, thing because yeah. of the whole JoJo diet or yeah. Judy, Ch- you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and when I DM'd her, you know, I actually... Believe it or not, my podcast is pretty serious, but I do have a wickedly dark sense of humor and I am actually pretty funny. You wouldn't really know it on my podcast, but No, so- no, no.
1: I wait, wait, guys, I do want to say it is it's like you're talking to the smartest one of your friends. But I mean like, Aww. you know, it's not you know no, I'm saying? It, it, it's not it's not that you're not funny you're talking about a very serious topic but you're talking about it in a we can get through this kind of way and there is a there's a lightness to it there is lightness to it it's not mm-hmm. but you're not making like hard punchline jokes
2: no 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 no. which i feel like is a missed opportunity because i am actually very funny but <laughs> so, so when i i when i had messaged amy i said uh you could just call me your bitch therapist and so she she was like that is hilarious and so then when she went over to her patreon she literally she had me on her show I wasn't this wasn't born yet I just had like a private Instagram page with like 200 followers I'm not huge on social media and she had me on her show and people went insane they were like who is this we want more it it just like it I realized, to answer your question, I realized that it was a niche that I just was good at because I've been watching these Bravo shows for decades. And I am doing like what I do on my Instagram and what I share on my podcast, it was all happening up here in my brain. And so I was just like, wait, people want to hear this? That's so weird to me. And and then- you know, your bitch therapist was born. And the reason it's not bitch therapist is because Instagram <laughs> doesn't take too kindly to like a curse in your username. Yeah. And I didn't want to be shadow banned and all of that. So then that's how the bitch came.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think w- what I love about your podcast, and I would actually kind of relate it in a different way to like the Bravo docket ladies, when there's a specialized, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a specialized intelligence on a certain topic that I don't have or the listeners don't have. It's really great to have a helping hand of somebody like, okay, this is a reliable narrator, this is somebody taking us through and actually giving some terms to the behavior that we're seeing. And the Bravo Docket does that from a legal sense. And I think that's why they're successful as well, because it gives just a little more information. And I think you you were saying in one of your podcasts is that we will never stop learning. We learn until the day we die. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that I pride myself on is that I want to consume as much information and knowledge as Mm -hmm. I can. It's the only thing that I think I'm good at is I want to consume information. And mm-hmm. that's what's so fascinating about your podcast and, and certain others that have that kind of emotional intelligence. Now, you did say you wanted to give a disclaimer before we start getting into these shows. What yes. is that disclaimer for the audience? So
2: the disclaimer, mine is long. I'm not going to do that whole long thing on here because your that's listeners, good. they'll get bored and fall asleep. Um, no, which, b- but-
1: believe me. Believe me. I put them to sleep much <laughs> earlier than this. It's good. <laughs>
2: Um, So my disclaimer is just that post, and everything that I'm talking about today is not intended to diagnose, treat, or provide any medical advice. Your BISH therapist is for entertainment and informational purposes only. I don't know these people. They're not my clients. I am using my clinical knowledge and experience plus my intuition and personality to give theories on what I think is going on. So I just want to be super clear about that because people love to come for me. Love professionals, by the way. Love it. Uh, well,
1: no, I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure. I mean, but it turns out when you put yourself out there, a lot more people want to really throw in their two cents. And I do think there is a negative bent a lot um, in terms of people wanting to have a voice. And I think that is something where reality shows have put in a lot of these personalities at the forefront is our constant desire to be real people, but then to also be something much more than we are to mm-hmm. have fame, to have, mm-hmm. I was even thinking about that when listening to your Southern charm episode of you have Austin and his behavior and him going to see a therapist this season, which I always like you am shocked when they film these things that are very personal. And I always wonder what's going through the therapist's head that actually made them sign the paper, what actually oh, is yeah. going through, because I feel like that almost is pushing against the help that it actually gives. That's and right. you know, so, but I, I think, the constant quest for fame. And we see this a lot with the Vanderpump rules cast as well, is that you see how it's deteriorated them as overall people, um, you know, is that like who would want mm-hmm. to be in the Vanderpump Rules friend group at this point when you <laughs> see the history yet people still want to because right. they love this magic shiny box that they've watched all their life and the mm-hmm. the possibility of being around it. But what do you think overall from your view that this does to people because you're dealing with some intense issues, especially Kyle on the season of Beverly Hills. I thought like I said, man, maybe Kyle should have sat this one out because there's so much happening how do you view it and how do you put uh, view it through fa- fame as that prism to view it?
2: Yeah, you know, that's such a good question. I think, you know, here's the thing. For me, the big downside of what I'm doing is I don't want to be famous. It's like as my Instagram grows, I am nervous, honey. I yeah, right. am like, oh, God, this is scary. Yeah, right?
1: You right. know,
2: because I think that fame monster, it can – it. it's like – I was reading some sort of article about how on social media, like if you have over 10,000 followers, like it can't help but infiltrate your brain a little bit, right? Because oh. we're hearing these things about us. Like people are telling me on a daily basis that I'm the most amazing person. And I'm like, well, that's great that you think so. But I assure you, I am not. Oh. Yes,
1: <laughs> Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, you're all big time now. And I'm like, oh, my God. I really like you yeah. do not know what it's like to be in my mind. And, you know, that's why I don't open the majority of my DMs anymore, because I'm scared. to. Know, I'm scared to see them. like every time yeah. I open that app, which I still open that app constantly because it's an addiction like anything else. But it's mm-hmm. scary. And that's like. I have no desire to ever be on reality television, yet like you, it was something that I have been watching since I was young. I've been obsessed with these, just like you have been watching these characters on TV.
0: When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet.
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, with Kyle and with some of these other folks who, you know, you and I and and a lot of people are like, you know, why don't they sit this one out? I think for me, there is a the benefit of you being on these shows and getting to use your voice. Now, the immediate downside of that is people will weaponize your voice and turn it into, oh, well, you're lying, or you're just saying this, because right. So there's, there's, there's a double-edged sword to that whole using your voice on social media and just like, you know, on TV and things like that. But I think that these are all folks who want their voice to be heard. And of course, some of it, especially I think with the Vanderpump Rules cast is like, fame feels great. People knowing who you are, right? Like people telling you you're great. And it, it, it feeds something in us that I look at, at humans as all like little children. Like we all have inner children that are not, you know, that maybe were not heard or maybe didn't get to deal with some of those inner child issues. And so it's like, that's why I can be empathetic to a lot of people. Cause I just view someone even like Kyle Richards is like this little kid who just never had her voice and she was never able to be who she was. And like, now she can. So, yeah.
1: It's so fascinating. If you look into the Hilton family, the Richards family, you know, big Kath, Kyle and and Kim and Kathy's mom. It's such a rich interest, like fast. I, I I believe there will be a docu series on that whole family one day. If there's not already one in the works, Mm -hmm. but can you take us through what you wrote on that Instagram post and story that got, passed around in regards to Kyle this season?
2: Sure. And trust me, no one was more surprised than me because when Kyle reposted it, I thought it was like, you know how there's those fake accounts that they pretend like yeah. to be, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
2: You're like, oh wow, Elon Musk is following me? That's so wild. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> so
2: when she reposted it, I sincerely... I thought I was going to have a heart attack and die. I was so shocked. So essentially what I said was that I think I thought that Kyle – was, um, experiencing symptoms of depression. And like, she's made no bones about the fact that she struggled with anxiety for a lot of her life. You can tell she's a classic overthinker, you know, she likes to control things. And that always comes from a place of anxiety. Um, but essentially what I said is that I think after the, the, um, suicide of her friend Lorreen, she just completely, it, her whole world exploded, and everything that she thought that she knew, she she didn't. And I, so essentially, what I was saying is that it kind of sent her on the spiral. And then it sounded like Mo wasn't totally able to be present for her, um, because I think Mauricio is. Um, <sighs> He's a little emotionally shallow,
1: I feel. What? Love Bean. <laughs> no, Love Bean. No, no, no. Love Bean. You've got it all wrong, Love Bean. No.
2: <laughs> and it's so sad because I think there is so much real love there. Yes. But yes.
1: Yes. Yes. 27-year think- marriage, yeah. multiple kids, successful businesses mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, and also in Beverly Hills, No matter if it never gets back on track, which I don't think it will, that is a very successful marriage that I think they will continue to be friends and business Mm -hmm. partners for the rest of their days.
2: I think so, too. And I think to me, it's it's. It, part of a, when a when a partnership breaks up, it's like that tells you a lot about the partnership. You know, was there respect? Was there mutual love? And I think between them, even though Mauricio is kind of living his best life right now, whatever that means for him, is it? Is, it,
1: <laughs> is that your best life? By the way, <laughs> snow skiing with Anita and a YouTuber in Aspen, uh, wearing the biggest chemosabi hats you can have, like that's yeah. good on the Instagram. But at the end of the night, you have to go bed, go to the bed, usually by yourself and face yourself. And mm-hmm. maybe that's his journey right now. Who knows right. where he'll go from here?
2: I, I agree. I agree. And and I think that you know, for the people who are saying that this is fake, I mean, it's so absurd. Kyle and Mauricio, they—you could tell—they genuinely have love. They grew up together, you know. And and I think for me too, I kind of understand their union because so my husband and I have been together since I was twenty. Ew, and I'm forty. I'm gonna be 43. So we've been together for t- like 21 years, married gross. for 15. Uh, I know gross. so gross. Stop. Oh
1: my God. <laughs> but but I imagine you have gone through a full life in these 20 plus years that That's has right. had ups, has had downs, has had victories, mm-hmm. losses. That's mm-hmm. what life and relationships are, right?
2: Right, and I feel especially in LA, people don't understand the work and the blood, sweat, and tears it takes to truly maintain a union, a multiple decades union. It's good, it's bad, it's ugly, it's messy. It's he see me at my worst, he see me at my best. He, you know, so and the thing is that he and I, just like Kyle and Mo, we grew up together. That's, that's, that's the fact of the matter. When you are with someone since you're so young, you just, you really do, you grow and you change and who we are now is totally different than who we were then, but you either grow apart or you grow together. And I think that Kyle and Mauricio, I think that Kyle and, and, you know, she confirmed that this was true, which is mind blowing to me is just that she spent her entire life trying to be a good daughter. To Big Kathy, trying to be a good sister to Kathy and Kim, trying to be the responsible one, trying to be the "quote unquote" good one. And I think after Laureen died, she realized what's even real anymore. You can do everything right, your life can still fall apart. And I think she realized that, especially now that her kids are mostly grown, um, except for Portia. You know, she's still, um, you know, in the home, but. I think she just realized all of this control, all these things I was trying to do is for not and sometimes life lives anyway. So let me figure out who the heck I am and for the first time live for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and I I think that's, and it's so interesting. There's so many fascinating things about this to me because everything that you said, I a hundred percent agree with, but in regards to filming the actual show, what the show was presenting on the first half of the season, I thought was very disingenuous because all of these friends or these fret, you know, quote unquote friends that are, you know, they're not in Kyle's day-to-day life, you know, they're not in Kyle's day-to-day life. So they're all going, something's like, well, where'd you get that ring, Kyle? I say, "I don't even know. I don't believe you. And Eric is like, yeah, Kyle, it's so weird. And then- and they were, you know, Kyle wasn't saying, listen, my best friend unalived herself and I have been thrown into a spiral on top of the end of the reunion. I'm scared to death of my sister. I live mm-hmm. in fear through childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. My husband you know, is potentially done things outside of the marriage and has for right. a long time. And even if we've had an understanding, I now feel differently about it. I'm right. on a show where everybody says, I stole my sister's goddamn house. I've been on this show for 13 seasons and people say I have not accepted responsibility for anything, uh, you know, like all of these reasons. And then finally we had this very brave scene that I was so happy they put in mm-hmm. with the therapist slash life coach that thankfully this wasn't a new one. This is somebody that Kyle has been working with where right. I'm like, this is it. This is one of the, the the parts of the thesis statement of where we're at because having having somebody lose their life that is the closest person to you does make you take stock in things so much differently. And so that adds up to cutting alcohol out of your life, mm-hmm. working out, mm-hmm. um, seeing therapists, getting a new friend that has no mm-hmm. uh, deeper understanding of your life from conception to now a new friend that doesn't know any of the bullshit that everybody else does all of it to me clicked did it click for mm-hmm. you
2: a thousand percent a thousand percent and, and in fact when kyle reposted what i said she said you know you'll see this soon and i guess that's what she was referring that was the to next week yeah yeah that was the next week now why she didn't say it like at that dinner where they're just, you know, su- by the way, I love your Sutton and Erica impressions. They're so funny.
1: <laughs> so I, um, by, by the way. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. It's like how people like are half and half. People love it. And then people are like, how dare you? How dare oh, you?
2: <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I mean, um, they both ask for it, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that sometimes in my experience, when you have something so that has literally broken your heart. It's such a vulnerable thing. And so if people are yelling at you and saying you're in denial and what about the ring? One one thing I actually post on my Instagram is I actually said, I think the women were getting in their own way of getting the answers. And here's why. She was saying, yes, things aren't good, but they're focusing on the wrong stuff. They're focusing they're f- on the ring. They're yeah, on jewelry. Know-
1: They're they're focusing on baubles and like the bullshit that they, the bullshit that Garcelle went through, the bullshit that Sutton went through, the bullshit Erica went through. And if you're going to compare Erica's marriage to Kyle's marriage, uh, you know, I have a, you know, I'll sell you some property over in Bakersfield or something because it is (laughs) like you can't compare those things. They are all men. We have all done wrong, but you can't compare them.
2: Exactly. It's like comparing apples and oranges. And it's a it's an argument. I actually posted about this on Instagram. I call it whataboutism, where it's like, you know, when I posted about what Kyle was going through, people will go, Well, what about how she treated Lvp? And it's like, that's not a proper argument. That, that's whataboutism.
1: Oh that's that's my biggest bone finest. to pick with Bravo yeah. fans is
2: that yeah. even
1: even in this, you know, I went on the old Twatter or the Twitter or the X or whatever afterwards, and it's like, well, that doesn't make up for Kyle being a bitch. The Last, I'm like, guys, at some point you're going to have like, like Erica Jane, you're going to have to learn what the word empathy means. And right. it is all right to change feelings. It's all right to be passionate about something that somebody did something wrong, but it's mm-hmm. also all right to realize somebody's going through a hard time and you're going to be going through a hard time one day, dear listener right. or viewer, whether you know it or not. And you probably already gone through it. And just remember that life is long and you go through a lot of things. Nobody is nobody is nobody gets out of this first alive, and nobody gets this right. gets out of this without really messing up certain things in life.
2: Absolutely, and you know if we're doing this thing called life right, we grow and we change. And I think that Kyle was a different person; it was different circumstances, separated by a different time space continuum. And I just think it's you know it's kind of ridiculous. To focus on those things. But back to the point, which is that it distracts people from like, if Sun would have asked the question, you know, for example, um, you know, I know you've said that things aren't good let's talk about that. I'm concerned. Does that you know, sound like
1: Sutton? Does that sound like something <laughs> something like name them, name all the problems oh. you got, Kyle, name them.
2: <laughs> right. Can I tell you the name? I, so as a, someone who I value communication, like communication is so special to me when she kept saying that I'm like, she's lucky Kyle didn't slap her. I would have been so irritated. Oh. So Melissa, irritating. that's what
1: I Melissa, that's what I said. I said it was almost like she was daring Kyle to physically do something to her. She was <laughs> yeah. and I I feel like Sutton, in her, what is this, her fourth season, has finally like drank her own juice, Shelby, and is like, I'm mm-hmm. gonna throw it all out there. I don't care what you say, I was like, You know, like she's mm-hmm. really trying to get a reaction. And I got to say, I enjoy it as a viewer, but I do sometimes not agree with the attack she's taking. But I also have to remember, this is a reality show that is entertainment-based at the end of the day, even though we do learn things from it. But Melissa, what do you think about that in terms of, we don't get the full picture from these shows. And now with the benefit of social media or not benefit of social media, we are now uh, all armchair therapists saying that we have a 360 degree of this person's life. And I'm going to say how they should handle this, how they should feel. How do you view that as a professional?
2: I just think that social media is a carefully curated facade. And we choose to show what we want and usually people choose their best moments. So I think that we cannot possibly truly know a person just from watching them on TV. Number 1, because also the the amount of time they film in terms of that person's life. It's so minuscule. And then on social media, you do get a little bit more, but again, it's so carefully curated. And I think a lot of these housewives now, because housewives has turned into something wholly different from when we watched, you know, season one of OC or season one of New Jersey. Yeah. It's totally different. It's totally different is that these housewives are curating their fame. So my thought as a therapist is you can't really go by the the what you're seeing and what you're hearing what i have that uh, Most, most people don't. Is just the awareness. Like I can look at this behavior, and I, you know, I'm used to people lying to me in therapy, and you know, that's that happens. It's what people do. So you develop an intuition and a greater understanding of what's behind the facade. So that's why I think people enjoy what I do because it's usually pretty on target. But I'm not going by what I'm seeing. I'm going by what I'm feeling and understanding, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, because you're also an empath as well. I mean, you oh, also feel things from a very uh, different place, which I always find fascinating. That's another thing, <laughs> just like armchair therapists, everybody now diagnoses themselves as an uh, empath. Oh, I'm an empath. Oh, I'm an empath. Everybody's an empath. And I'm like, there's a difference. And the other thing, the bone to pick, is everybody's calling themselves a creator now. And I'm like, no, you just like to gossip online. That's not a creator. <laughs> it's a difference. Like, um, right. Would you right. say Kyle's there's essentially maybe a sliding doors moment with Kyle that happened at last year's reunion, because that keeps yes. getting brought up in terms of Kyle that as a really banner moment for Kyle, even though when I watched it at the time, I wasn't sitting there thinking, Oh my God, this is going to, this is going to break Kyle. I was really focused on Renna and Kathy of it all. Wasn't really thinking about Kyle because she is that person that's always there. But that to me is a sliding doors moment of, you know, that and her friend seems to have pushed her in this whole different life. Mm That she had previously and I found it fascinating like what if that reunion had gone differently? What Mm -hmm. if like I'd be so curious what Kyle's life would look like now and how far she would have kept going before she had an actual breakdown.
2: Yeah, that's such an astute observation and a great point is that, well, I can definitely tell that after last reunion, the reason why Kyle's pulling away from Dorit is because Dorit did not have her back. Dorit loves to talk a lot of stuff behind the scenes. <laughs> and well, then, I'm Dorit's. I will. I know exactly everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She yeah. loves it. She loves it. And then, like, I do think people are scared of Kathy. And I think that
1: she... Rightfully so. Rightfully. Oh. She will... She will... Uh, uh, by the yeah. way, Paris in Love season two, which she's going to do an episode on you guys. You, I, I walked away from that fearing Kathy.
2: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
1: I went back and I was like, oh my god, I gotta check out my memes that I've done on Kathy. Like, I met Kathy at BravoCon a couple years ago, and I swear to god she knew who I, I had this feeling that she knew who I was and she didn't like me. Like, she was like, yes, oh. yes. Cause I was like, I'm so bad. It's good with her. And she's like, yes, yes, I know. And that, by the way, that could have gone like she just says that to everybody or I do know and stop talking shit. You know?
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing about Kathy is that she does not like to be um, have anyone say anything sideways about her like she does not like to be accountable for anything she does and so going back to the sliding p.s i'm a little afraid of her too because i did an episode on the the hilton sisters and um i was like oh god i'm so scared now should i delete it but but um i think that one thing from from the reunion last year that struck me about you know the sliding doors moment is i think that kyle just had it with like you can tell she can't do anything right when it comes to Kathy. She cannot do anything right. Kathy is always mad at her for little things. And like, I get the picture that when Kathy's mad, it's scary. Oh,
1: it yeah. is
2: like, Kyle, she,
1: Kyle. Kyle? Yes, she
2: uses a voice and it's more here's the thing, there's a look in her eye. There was one scene in in with between Paris and her mom when they were talking about the baby, and Kathy looked at Paris and I was like, Holy crap, that look is enough to like send me screaming.
1: Or that scene with Kathy talking to Paris about the ghostwriter of her book. She's like, that's not you. That's not you. That's the ghostwriter. I need to talk to her. I need to talk to the ghostwriter. And you can tell why Paris hid the baby and you can tell why Paris didn't tell her about what's in the book because she would have prevented all of it. And in saying Mm -hmm. all of this, I also want to say... Kathy Hilton is one of my favorite people to watch on reality television. So we do have to kind of normalize that just because somebody is potentially dangerous or show exhibiting bad behavior doesn't mean they're not fascinating to watch because they are somebody showing warts and all is so fascinating.
2: Oh, absolutely. And listen, I think Kathy can be a delight. I think she is sweet and I think she loves her kids and I think she's beautifully kooky funny yeah funny you know just like I think she has a lot of great qualities but unfortunately I think she tries so hard to control the narrative which Paris essentially has said you know she wanted the the facade to look perfect and it's just like Kyle and Paris, and and they're done with that. They're like, we don't want to live this life anymore where we're just pretending to be perfect, pretending to be something that we're not. And I think that last reunion was totally a moment for Kyle where she was like, I can continue to do the thing I've always done and be a good wife and a good mother and keep my mouth shut. And she's like, I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. And I What's respect the point? her.
1: Yeah, what's I, the I mean, point? I, I do too. What's I mean, that's why I think Kyle, if she was able to be completely honest, would be one of the most fascinating sit down interviews. Like I mm-hmm. that I mean, like that is uh, and I'll never get this interview, but that is one of my number one interviews to be able to talk to her about this, because I just find her so fascinating because a lot of people don't have the bravery to mm-hmm. actually pull stakes up on their life. And like, what, what are we complaining about that? She's not drinking anymore. Well, that's a pretty damn good thing. What are we complaining about that? She works out too hard. What are we complaining about? And also the Morgan Wade of it all. I don't really know, nor do I care. And I understand that's my privilege to not care because I grew up with a lot of people in all sorts of relationships. But what are you, what is your take on that Morgan Wade relationship? Because Mm -hmm. Kyle, I always joke about it on the show. I don't know if it's a romance, but it does seem a little bit of high school. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. They just love... I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. it's giddy. It's that giddy feeling when you first love somebody. Mm -hmm. Not saying it's romantic, but it's that Mm -hmm. giddy. I've had that with friends where I just love them. I want to be around them nonstop. What is your take on this?
2: Yeah, so my take on this is that I think... Kyle is attracted to Morgan as a human because of a couple of things. Morgan is a gal who clearly can I curse? Is that okay?
1: F- fuck yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> she gives zero fucks, like truly. Morgan Wade gives zero fucks. She give zero fucks, Kyle. It's I me, know, Morgan the Wade. For, yeah, like it's, it's, not it's like what a frog, frog
1: forest gump. Like it, I I, yeah. I love it so much, though. I love her voice.
2: I do, too. It's just not what I expected. But I think that for Kyle, Morgan represents freedom, freedom to be whoever the hell Morgan is who she is. And she's. Happy and she's proud and she's, you know, just who she is. And I think a Kyle admires that. And number two, the huge thing that connects them that I think most people miss is that Morgan Wade tested positive for the BRCA um, breast cancer genes for breast
1: cancer. Yeah, that's
2: right. And she had a double mastectomy. They call it being a pre viver um, in the cancer community. So she had a double mastectomy as a result. And Kyle's mother passed away from breast cancer. And so I think that Kyle, she is fascinated by this person for all of those reasons. I think she admires Morgan's bravery. But I do agree with you that there does seem to be kind of this like, lovey, flirtatious thing. For me, and, and I'm going to be honest, what I've said on my Instagram page about this is I feel the people who are just intent on talking about her being a lesbian, I think it's fetishizing queer culture, and I don't like it. Um, we don't know for us to decide someone's sexual orientation is just not appropriate. I'm, I'm a huge ally and I'm just never going to be okay with that. And it doesn't matter who cares if, if they are together romantically. Great. I hope they're happy. And if they're not, then, you know, personally, I don't think they are. I think Kyle just found someone who doesn't want anything from Kyle. I think Morgan is the first person in Kyle's life that doesn't want anything from her and Kyle ended up doing this documentary on Morgan Wade. Um and I think in fact Kyle kinda wanted something from Morgan. So well, but, I mean, but do you think do you think that
1: is Morgan not wanting anything from Kyle. Do you think there's an element of Kyle then trying to give as much to Morgan as possible? Because, I mean, I've seen her wearing the Rolex that Mauricio gave her. I've seen Morgan wearing that. We know that she's taken Morgan on all these trips. She's doing the documentary. She got her an article in the L.A. Times. Kyle is really pushing her weight onto Morgan and her talent, which I know she is a believer in her talent, but Mm -hmm. it is interesting how much Kyle is giving to this person. Yeah. I mean, she even made it onto Kathy's grid on Instagram. Kathy did a picture with Morgan over the holidays, which I just thought was another fascinating element to this. But what do you think that means of somebody like, well, I don't want anything. Well, I'm going to keep giving you
0: stuff.
2: Yeah, I I do find that interesting. I think Kyle is a work in progress, and I think that Kyle is so used to giving – more than than taking care of herself. Like she's just a natural caretaker. So I think that all of the stuff she's doing for Morgan is because she legitimately wants to help her, but it does feel a little codependent. I think Kyle, especially because of the situation with Kim's alcoholism and things like that, Kyle has definitely a lot of codependency that I do notice in a lot of her relationships, right? Because normally when we make a new friend and we're excited about it as adults, you know, she's kind of acting like a teenager with Morgan. And so I think that tells me that maybe there's a little bit of codependency there. Um, And Kyle needs to do a little bit more self-focus. But listen, we're all works in progress. And that's just my opinion.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, uh, definitely. I just am so curious where it's going to go. And I'm curious to see where it's going to go on the show. Because like we always talk about, it's what the show is trying to present us. What the producers want us to see. But then there's a reality behind the reality. And I'm very curious because I saw an interview with Kyle where she had said, listen, I knew I was going through these issues with Mauricio when we were going into the season and I don't have a good poker face. So I didn't know how I was going to handle this. So they knew all of these scenes with her and Mauricio where he's like, love being your tattoos, love be <laughs> Like they already knew they were separating. They already knew this was already right. fully in progress. And I find it also just interesting of these reality shows. Sometimes we don't Want or get to see the deeper meaning because we do surface level shit like focus on the jewelry, focus mm-hmm. because it's fun. It's more fun to talk mm-hmm. about uh, Sutton buying a, a horse online, buying Santos like that's so silly. It's it's more fun to talk about wearing uh, you know like uh, pardon my language like dick riding pants to Magic Mike in Vegas like I want mm-hmm. my pants like mm-hmm. that's so funny. That's something that you can talk about with human behavior, but when it gets to Kyle. And that conversation, it just, it threw it in another le- realm for me. And I sometimes wonder, and do you wonder if these shows have enough of a foundation that it can really hold these serious conversations?
2: That is such a good question. Cause I ask myself that all the time. Cause I'm like, am I just like aging out of housewives or am I just <laughs> <laughs> like, am I just finding it more vapid than I used to 10 years ago? You know? We're in an interesting age of housewives where it's like, I think there's two camps. I think there's the camp of people who like their housewives sick and messy. And then there's a camp of people who have been watching since the beginning and are now a little bit older and are like, let's take something of substance, you know, and. Um, so it'll be interesting to me to see where this all goes. Because personally, and I don't know if this is just because I'm a therapist, I like, obviously, the more substantive uh, presentation. I don't care. I don't want to see another, tri- another um softball game in jersey like i don't i i'm done i'm done with these you know (laughs) arguments over the same stuff from like 10 years ago it's like can we move on so it's it's a good question and i don't know the answer to it
1: well jersey i mean i love that you brought that up with the softball games it's like i keep you i keep thinking about sisyphus late lately and with jersey you know, it's every year it's pushing the same boulder, Joey Gorga and, and Teresa Mm -hmm. Diadici pushing that boulder up the hill, knowing that it's going to fall down by the end of the season. And how many times are we going to do this into perpetuity? Are we in some kind of like lost, like, you know, before we reach heaven, we're in that, uh, what do they call it? The, uh, purgatory. uh, Well, are we in purgatory with Jersey? Like we're never going to escape (laughs) this relationship. And you talked about it in an episode is that, uh, I think this was in regards to Monica and her mom is that, you know, you do have to set up boundaries for yourself. And in certain situations, if your boundaries aren't respected, you have to pull yourself out of it. And I sometimes Mm -hmm. go, guys, we're not getting out of this situation. This relationship is never going to be fixed and it's not going to be fixed on camera. And I'm glad it's getting good ratings. And that means it's going to keep going. But at the same time, let's move on because we're not like Teresa's, you you made this brilliant observation about Teresa. You said she, I wrote this down because I thought it was great. Let me find it real quick. Sorry guys. She said, uh, Teresa keeps people around her who are echo chambers. Mm -hmm. Teresa Giudici, and I thought that was so right because she wants to live in I just love, love, love. I just love, love, mm-hmm. love. She wants to have people around her saying, you're right. This is this. This is positive. And I, if you live in an echo chamber, you're never going to fully grow or heal in the way that potentially, I mean, wouldn't you love to see Teresa turn into Kyle Richards in some book? Could you imagine? Oh. Could you oh. imagine Teresa wakes up <laughs> and goes, you know, like just <laughs> Teresa just totally goes on a different path?
2: I would love that. That'd be the greatest joy in my life. Because here's the thing. I think Teresa can be a sweetheart. I think yes! she uh, is no, yes, yes, such a sweetheart. She loves her daughters. Oh, I just, Such a know, good mom such a good mom but i think that she and a lot of people a lot of these housewives in particular they want to be surrounded by echo chambers who are just telling them you're amazing keep doing what you're doing and to me that is the quickest way to a very shallow unhappy life we need people around us who are going to tell us listen you're out of pocket you're you know you what's happening with you like call me on stuff um, to me, that's true intimacy because that's the other thing. It's like if you're surrounded by echo chambers, there's a real lack of intimacy to that. If you can't tell someone, you know, hey, I think you're making a misstep here or I'm concerned about Louie or, you know, whatever it is, um, we have to have those people in our lives to keep us in check. And yeah. you can tell a lot of these housewives just don't. Oh,
1: I mean, I have a couple of people in my like uh, Medita who works on the show. She's great. Like She'll tell me like hard truths that I'm like. Oh my god! In the moment, but it's like so good to actually mm-hmm. hear those things because you know I don't want to hear that I'm great. I'm not great. I don't want to hear like I mean that doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't right. make you strive to be better or to look at yourself in any kind of deeper way. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so just to put a cap. By the way, this is going. Are you having a good time? I love. I'm this so having much. Is the this- best time. Okay, good, good. This yes. is going so good. Um, yes. So Beverly Hills, I'm so excited to see where the season ends. And also, I'm so excited to already see a new season and what we're going to see. The only thing I find interesting still about Kyle, though, is I I got a TikTok video sent to me and it was some lady on a street stopping Kyle and having her break down everything that she was wearing. Kyle still is a very... Uh, in terms of possessions, oh. she was like, oh, this is a Gucci bag. This is this jewelry. This is this hat. And it was like mm-hmm. every – like she must have been wearing, no joke, about $100,000 worth of clothing <laughs> just on a street in New York. This wasn't like to go to an event. This was just right. – and I thought that's interesting too because even when we're healing ourselves, we still have that one thing that we allow ourselves. We mm-hmm. still have that one thing and then that thing actually becomes the issue. And mm-hmm. I, I don't – like in your opinion and for all the people listening – what does real healing look like? What is real? I mean, cause I feel like I think this month and this year I've kind of been defeated in a lot of ways where I'm like, what's the point? Like, and I don't mean what's, I I know what's the point of live, but like, what's, what's the point? Like, what is the point? Like, I I don't, I'm not going to fix, I'm not going to, how can I fix myself at this point? Well, how, how do we, how are we supposed to look at life?
2: That is such a good question, and it's honestly one I've asked myself too, because you know, for those of you listening, my listeners know yours don't, but I have an insane trauma history. Insane. I'm a two-time cancer survivor. I've had a life tra- trauma before that. and I think that what healing looks like is so different for everybody, but it feels like home. You'll know that you're healing when you are at home with yourself. And so for me, what that means is that I do think Kyle, one of the things that she, like you said, even when we're healing, we all have that one thing. And I think her one thing is kind of like, I'm not going to call it a shopping addiction because I don't know that, but it seems like she over focuses on material goods Um, You know, I always, I'm always looking with the housewives, if they're draping themselves in material goods, it makes me wonder if they don't feel valuable inside. Um, because for me, you know, I dress, you know, unhoused chic is my look. I drape, Um, I
1: drape myself in old Navy. I mean, that's, I mean, I, 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 I'm a huge (laughs) old Navy proponent.
2: Yeah. So, you know, you're never going to see me, you know, in, even if I had the money, which I don't, but I think that there's a part of her that imagine how it must feel to make yourself vulnerable. The whole world is talking about you. Criticizing you and not empathizing, and so I wonder if it's her armor. I think a lot of these housewives use their labels as armor to make them feel special. Um, you know, like when Monica talked about getting the bag, and Lisa talk, Lisa Barlow In talks about City. all her stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that there's still some work to be done there, especially for for kyle listen i i if i had the money i'd be a shopper too i love a handbag um i would absolutely like if i got to make a wish as an adult it would be to go in kyle's closet and just look around um but i, I oh, think i thought
1: you were about to say go in kyle's closet and steal everything like that guy <gasps> no. did with all her purses uh, oh, a couple God, years no. ago yeah. No, no, i was no. like Melissa, please no um, no, no, I, you know, by the way, and I wasn't diagnosing Kyle at all, either. It was just a video that I saw that I found sure. interesting that she just did in the past couple of weeks. And I said, well, that's really interesting still to me, <laughs> but you know, the privilege that we have of not being on television is that people aren't necessarily, uh, looking into our lives with that kind of microscope. I mean, sure, but sure. <laughs> sometimes that's not true, but like, you know, like <laughs> I think that is something that I find interesting is that we we have the privilege of not being on television, even though most people do want to be on television. Hey, has Kyle reached out to you personally?
2: You know, I she hasn't. And I I wish she would have, because I, I made a joke on one of my podcasts that she blew up my life, because it literally blew up my life. I went viral. Everyone was talking about me. It's really
1: scary, yeah.
2: It was so scary. And honestly, by the way, I'm going to be vulnerable and, and be honest for a minute. It brought up some of my own trauma where it felt like, um, everyone was talking about me, but no one was talking to me. And that oh, really. Oh, that's
1: interesting. Yeah. Because yeah,
2: when I was 17, um, when I was in high school, I had ovarian cancer and I was the cancer kid, right? And so everyone was talking about me, but no one was talking to me. And it brought up some of those really tough emotions, um, which was a growing edge for me that I'm super grateful I had the opportunity to look at and be able to, you know, work through that. Um, but I think that. I think you're right in that, you know, for me, I I have very... Not a lot of eyes on my stuff. You know, you definitely have more, and Kyle has a ton. So I do think there is a privilege to, for me, still having anonymity that she just doesn't get to have. Um, So I just think that's, you know, why we always have to lead with kindness and empathy because truly we really never know what someone's dealing with from moment to moment. Like I know what Kyle's dealing with now because she confirmed it. But at the same time, it's like, what must that be like for her day to day? You know, I can only imagine.
1: Also, we as people sometimes don't even recognize what we're going through. We're going mm-hmm. through it, but we don't have the the, the the verbiage to put behind it. We don't necessarily – it's fumbling around in the dark without your glasses on, just bumping into everything going, I just don't feel well. I don't feel good. I don't know why. And then when you start mm-hmm. talking to somebody, you're like, well – This is why this is potentially why this is another reason you're like, oh, you know, sometimes when I'm at my worst, if I talk into a microphone, it actually gets those dark thoughts out of my head. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And it, because it's not something that's just like, oh, I should talk about this. But when I do, I feel better. That's why I'm a big proponent mm-hmm. of therapy. But it is really scary. Um, okay, mm-hmm. listen, I I want to keep going. We have about 25 more, 20 minutes. And I, God, I wish I could talk to you for hours and hours. <laughs> uh, hopefully you'll come back on because this is just already, I'm not going to get to everything I want to. I
2: know. Ryan, you and I were such chatterboxes. I swear we could do a four-hour episode. Oh, so I, don't well, worry.
1: <laughs> but this is, it's good to feel excited. Like I'm really excited mm-hmm. talking to you. And I think that's what it, it reminds me in some... I'll do a lot of solo episodes, and they're they're okay. They're but I love when I talk with somebody that I'm like, oh, what about this? And they have yeah. some, it's like a great game of tennis. Um, sure, sure. I don't watch, so I don't know if that actually is tennis <laughs> or not. You guys. Um, okay, so I wanted to talk about. Okay, so I wanted to talk about Southern Charm in Salt Lake City. Let's go to Salt Lake City first, okay. if we can get both of these in. You had a great couple of episodes. Uh, The one I was just listening to again was about Monica and her Vovo, her mom. Mm -hmm. And this has trauma and uh, this has so much written all over it on its face, even without. I mean, just like anybody could see this. Well, right. Like, you know, but you Mm -hmm. were digging even in deeper. And even you were talking about the one episode with Monica and her mom where they were at dinner. And I always think that's a funny episode just because. Uh, they bring out guacamole, and Monica's mom is like, "Ooh, is this dessert?" And it's like, "No, it's guacamole, you dork!" Like, what are you, that's already a big red flag for me. Right. But you made this really interesting observation that I didn't even put, it's very small, but she was at looking for aspirin. She wanted aspirin. And can you explain mm-hmm. what you said about this, of the mom looking for aspirin at that dinner?
2: Yeah, so I'm really good with this stuff. Like there, if someone says something super little, it can be like the biggest thing for my brain. That's just how my brain works. I think she was looking, asking for aspirin because she was in psychic pain. She was in emotional pain. Um, so not only was it a distraction technique, clearly a distraction technique, But it was also, you're hurting me. I'm hurting. I need something to take care of this emotional pain that neither of them wanted to really talk about.
1: Yeah, no, I thought that was really fascinating. And you also talk about in that episode, you talk about um, Monica being a cycle breaker, Mm -hmm. Uh, a cycle breaker because she comes from and I mean, nobody can argue, even in the little information that we've had this season Of You use the example of Monica having to hide, like be in a trunk so her mom can make out with a guy. Mm -hmm. We know that Monica's mom left for New York, left her with uh, friends or family. Mm -hmm. There's so many things where you're like, oh, my God. I mean, it really is intense. Mm -hmm. Why do you think Monica is a cycle breaker? Because the only thing I would push back on is you know, we're about to hit the season finale this next week. And supposedly something really intense gets revealed about Monica. Mm-hmm. Potentially Monica has, uh, you know, I think she's an onion. We keep, and I, I want her to stay on it because I just think she is so fascinating.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: can you be a cycle breaker and still have insanely bad behavior yourself?
2: Yes. <laughs> Yes, short answer is Talk yes. Talk to you later. Talk to you. Okay, good, good, okay. good episode, yeah. Yeah. Yes, and here's, and here's why, because that is a super good point, because Monica clearly has a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Um, her behavior is atrocious at times, and I do think that's what we're going to see, You can, what it means to be a cycle breaker is just to be able to acknowledge the family trauma. I I talk a lot about generational trauma in my podcast, which is just essentially how trauma gets passed down from our ancestors. And there's literally proof in our DNA. It's called epigenetics.
1: Yeah, I Uh, I wrote that word down. Yeah, epigenetics.
2: Yeah. So the epigenetics proves that we are sincerely still with our ancestors' trauma. It goes down from generation to generation. And each generation dilutes a little bit until there's a generation of what I call a cycle breaker, of who starts to become aware and notice all these patterns. Where Monica I it falls flat, and I don't I think her daughter may take over this because from what I watch, I do think um, Monica's daughter is parentified. And what I mean by that, parentification is when Parents use their kids. Danielle Staub is a really good example of this. When, yeah, how about that flash? You know, flashback. Yeah. When, when, when adult women and men can do this too. use their children for emotional support because they don't have it anywhere else that parentifies the child. So then the child becomes codependent and feels that they're responsible for the mother. So, or, or the father. So I feel that Monica's daughter is the trauma baton I believe is being passed to her and she's going to have to learn how to take like Monica started it. And it's like a relay each generation, if that makes sense. That's how kind yeah. of how I visualize it.
1: Yeah. It does make sense. Uh, I'm just so curious what's about to come out with Monica because. <laughs> I feel like even if she has this handle on the parental, the epigenetics of it all, you, she realizes even in that scene you pointed out at dinner, she had said she was doing everything right in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, not, you know, and, and also one of the things is to not spread your pain, which mm-hmm. the mom wants everybody, you know, to feel her pain. Right. Uh, and you also make this great point of Monica's mom um, needs Monica to attend to her needs, but she's not willing to attend to Monica's needs.
2: That's right. That's right. And, and that I- is parentification, essentially, where I think Monica does a better job of attending to her child's needs. But that is what is so blatantly gross to me with um, Monica's mother, who I, I do believe that there's some narcissistic uh, streaks there that, um, yeah, she just like wants her child to be what she needs without any awareness that she's not willing to meet any of Monica's needs. And in fact, the only thing she's willing to do for Monica is like punish her. You know, like I think some parents, especially of an older generation, like my parents are boomers. And so, you know, that comes with a lot. Yeah. And I think sometimes a generation feels, well, I'm your parent, so you need to just do for me, but I'm going (laughs) to ignore all your stuff. And it's like, well, that is not how this works, my friend.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, it's interesting dealing with my dad now because mom did everything, you know, and my dad does. I mean, it really is being around him. You know, it's like he just doesn't. And this is not an offense to him. He doesn't know how to do the basic things. So, like, it's, it's like it's like what I imagine and, and I could be completely wrong. It's, it's a little bit like parenting. Like I'm having him walk him through certain things or his car battery died. He's like, Oh, I'll fix it. I'm like, no, let's fix it now. What do we mm-hmm. do? We call triple a. And we, right. and by the way, I want to point out, I would not do this for myself. I would leave. I would let it go and all <laughs> that. But I'm like, I, I, hear my mom's. I find that so interesting. Those kind of relationships. If you are in this relationship and how we, uh, relate to other people and how we let them do for us and we get used to that and we don't know how to do for ourselves. I just, I sometimes with Monica, I think it's so real and there's so much left to uncover that it's another person where I'm like, almost like Shannon Bedore this next season of OC. I'm like, mm. should we have done this? Is this good? Because also you're talking about your Vovo in front of your kids so openly of like, you know how Vovo lies about me and does all of this? And you're like, yeah. holy, and Monica, you you could just do a whole series on Monica alone because mm-hmm. of, you know, we know she cheated in her marriage with a, you know somebody oh. in her family. There's so yeah. much to uncover. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that you can do good in one thing about potentially setting boundaries with your mom. Wrong, mm-hmm. But you can still be doing a lot of other things that are potentially wrong. And how do we pick ourselves up from that? And how do we right. expect empathy when we're on reality television?
2: Yeah, it, and you know, it just it, it reminds me too of a saying, which is that healing isn't linear. So healing kind of, you know, it kind of it's like a roller coaster. And you know, we can have some of the components and still have some problematic issues that are creating problems in our behaviors, and that we have to continue to look at. Like there's no, you're healed and then you're done. For me, you know, I worked through a ton of my trauma. It was the hardest thing I ever did. It was years of hell and pain. But once I got to the other side, it's not like, oh good, I'm done. I still have to be continually aware of how things are impacting me. And I think that as humans, that's scary. And a lot of folks, we just don't want to do it. And listen, I'm guilty of that sometimes. So I hope this is super validating to you and also to other people is that I'm a therapist and I, (laughs) I get stuck in shit all the
1: time. Melissa, it depresses the hell out of me that you get stuck in shit all the time. I want somebody to have I mean, that was my whole thing with Sandoval. That was the only thing. It was like, I know my faults. I thought Sandoval was better than all of us. Like that mm-hmm. was my idiot thinking was that like, I know my faults as a dude. I know my, insec- I know all of that, but I thought he was the, and I know this is insane. I, I know people have told, people have like literally said you're insane, but I thought he was just the one. I thought he was, man, if I could, I don't know that, that was, no. but I, I love That's all disappointing.
2: of this. So, I'm sorry. Wait, what, Seriously. You, that no, sucks. no, no.
1: No, it, no, it, it's, it, it is, it also is ridiculous. The further you get away from Scandival, you realize, okay, thank God air is getting pressurized again. Uh, finally, just to, to finish up here, just and this is not going to be enough time, but I just wanted to talk about Southern charm. We mm-hmm. talked about it briefly in regards to Austin having therapy on camera, but I also wanted to talk about the amount of deaths that have caused a lot of this behavior. You had pointed out Austin, of course, lost his sister when he was younger and that gets brought up. And I think that's so good to bring up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also this year, Olivia and Taylor, Olivia Mm -hmm. dealt with her brother's death on camera. And we know that Taylor is going to have to deal with the same thing. We'll probably see this more at the reunion because it will not happen on camera since the season finale is this week. Mm -hmm. I, I, You know, but at the same time, the show really is about um, shithead men, you know, like it's like, even though this is real stuff is happening, these are real Mm -hmm. things. Olivia and Taylor are at each other's throat and Taylor doesn't seem to get that relationships take time, healing takes time, forgiveness takes time, and she wants it now, 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 which I believe is behavior she potentially learned from Shep. How do you Mm -hmm. view Southern Charm this season?
2: So Southern Charm this season has been wild for me. It's just been a clinical goldmine (laughs) of Just like I cannot look away. So between, you know, the grief bonding um between Austin and Olivia, um, between, you know, here I'm gonna say something. I, I was gonna post about this, but I haven't gotten a chance to yet. I think, you know, how everyone was looking at Taylor and Shep, like, you know, Shep is just this incredible. Incredibly self focused, you know, just lacks a lot of those, you know, healthy adult mature skills. And we all wondered why Taylor or how that worked. Well, now we know because I think there's some of that in Taylor too. So people, and here's the thing about women this is what I'm going to say women are really good at hiding their pathology especially when you're cute, if you're cute and, you know, you, you are, you you put on a good facade, you put on a good face. It takes a while to kind of see those, those darker pieces. And when I heard Taylor talk on the, um, the, you know, balcony or whatever she was on about how she has no regrets. I was like, Oh, so this is how you were with Uh, Shep for so long this now it completely makes sense to me so that's you know that's kind of my my view on that and I think that Olivia this would have been a good season for Taylor's well-being to sit it out but it would have you know we wouldn't have had all the drama that we had but I think for her like sometimes what's good for TV and what's good for a human being are polar opposite yeah you know, things. And I I think that's the the tough thing that that's what this comes down to is that dichotomy.
1: Well, it's interesting because you have these really deep things happening. And then on the other, like, I still actually am getting enjoyment out out of watching, like we had in the past week's episode, uh, Craig and Paige having dinner with Madison and her husband. And, you know, Craig wants this relationship so badly, so much so that in the scene last week's episode, he was like, listen, I'm such in a good place right now, even if I lose you, I'm going to be okay, which is such a funny, like, we don't need to talk about it, I know you're not prepared to talk about it, we don't have to talk about it for another year, but I just want to let you know, (laughs) if, you know, this doesn't work out, I'm still so emotionally good right now, and strong, and I thought, what a funny thing to say, and what a funny piece of behavior, it's almost of like, It's a way to talk about it without talking about it. But it's also a way to be like, I'm amazing. And like, we know Craig would be a mess (laughs) if Paige was like, "Okay, we're done. Craig would be like, no, it would be all over. But it's this guy like trying to like trying to, you know, get some authority in his life and say, I'm good and and, and I'm proud of him. But it also is almost like a bluff in a way of like, I'm going to be good no matter what.
2: Well, you know what? Going back to your question about how do we know if we're healing? I think there's a part of Craig that really does believe that, that he has got, because who would have ever thought in one trillion years that Craig would be the emotionally healthiest male on that show? And who would think that Madison would potentially be the most emotionally (gasps) healthy female? I know. It is like the upside down. It is so wild. But I do think to to, back to your point is that he means I have healed and worked on my stuff that I would be devastated because I love you, but I wouldn't like Get blackout drunk, fall apart, lose my shit completely. That's what I think that he meant. And honestly, yeah. when he said that in Paige's face, I was like, maybe she oh, yeah. needed to hear that. Oh,
1: yeah. And by the way, Paige was like, Zoics. Paige was, she was I, like, she was She was eating this tuna salad sandwich that he made for her, you know, just being <laughs> I know. Paige. And I, I mean, by the way, and also, I do, you're right. I do believe that there is a part of Craig that does believe that entirely. I do also think the reality of human situations, though is what you think you're going to feel and how you actually feel <laughs> usually are very opposite. So my thing That's was, I was like, yeah, okay, buddy, let's see if that actually is true. But I do actually, I do think they are going to make it or whatever make it means. Like, I do mm-hmm. think they will get to the altar. Mm-hmm. I think it's a more realistic relationship that we see on reality television, as opposed to the, the cheating ones, the ones that are right. like, you know, like Austin is like, Oh, you know, Olivia is the one I don't know. Yes. But like, But anytime Olivia like says something to Austin, he's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Like he doesn't want to hear anything she has to say.
2: Well, because, you know, as I said, Austin is um, I think he self-sabotages all his relationships because he's afraid to lose because he lost his sister. I think he's afraid to lose a significant other. And I think he's afraid to have a child and lose that child. I think he has so much trauma. Um, so that's that he at least has a reason for being douchey Shep. I don't really think has a reason, but one thing I, mean, I just, Shep,
1: I mean, that's, I always think about like, where, where does he go from here? Like, obviously oh he the guy that you want to have a beer with. He probably would be so entertaining for a night. He would be, you would have the time of your life, but over a long-term life, where do you go here from, from there? And also to your Austin point, I didn't really think about it in that way because part of how I think about it is. Austin is getting things just given to him. He's getting Mm -hmm. females given to him. Anybody, Mm -hmm. Even if they think Austin is a douche, there's still a good chance that women would still sleep with him that Mm -hmm. are aware of his behavior. Mm -hmm. So when you're given all of this, also, I think that is another roadblock for any kind of long term relationship.
2: Yeah, I just think they haven't really gotten enough consequences, Um, you know, because you would think by watching them that they should have had the consequences to, you know, change their behavior. But I've seen people have the most wild consequences and it not changed their behavior at all. So it's just it it clearly wasn't enough for them to make a change. Um, But I think like going back to Craig and Paige, it's just there's a message I like to give people too that sometimes love isn't enough. Like we can love someone deeply in a relationship, and sometimes that is just not enough to sustain a long-term relationship. We it needs so much more than that. And so and that's hard.
1: you don't understand that when you're younger. You only. No. I think that only comes Mm-mm. with age, unfortunately.
2: Yes, I tell my niece is 17. I tell her that all the time. I say, don't get caught up in relationships Ugh. because until you meet the person that you're going to marry all your relationships are going to end and they can all be beautiful and you can get lessons and all these things. But yeah, that's. But, but,
1: but your heart, when your heart feels it for the first time, your heart never felt something like that before. So it it takes you on this roller coaster and you know, it's so chemical and it's so, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're not used to that. And only through years or potentially decades, do you realize it's like a muscle, like anything else, which is kind of good and bad and sad at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. Melissa, I wish I could talk to you for another hour, but I got to go change some of my own behavior in therapy right now. (laughs) And, uh, but I, I just had the most fabulous, I knew I was, but I'm so happy to have had this conversation with you right now. What a great way to end my year, but I want to let you guys know, listen, this is the real deal. Listen to her show. Your BISH, B-I-S-H therapist. Um, it is truly, truly incredible and it's going to make you think some thoughts. It's going to, I really think you are going to get such a something from this that I really put the highest stamp of approval on it. And I really mm-hmm. hope I get to talk to you again because this was just so, so easy, so easy and I so yeah. fun.
2: Yeah, so easy. I feel like we've known each other for years. So I just thank you for the opportunity. Um, thank you so much for your kindness. I am so grateful. And I would love to come back. I'd also love to have you on my show.
0: Oh, um, anytime. When come back.
1: any time yeah. any, any, anytime, anytime. Um, and you guys out there listening, I hope you are doing okay. And just another uh, you know, suggestion put one foot in front of the other and maybe put that foot towards going into therapy and looking Mm -hmm. at some of your own behavior, even though it is the hardest possible thing for you to do. And it's going to feel potentially worse before it feels better, but just get through each day, try to get through each day and, uh, and then watch these shows to, to laugh and then maybe have a deeper understanding of yourself. So Yorbish therapist, Melissa Reich. I'm screwing up your name again. (laughs) Oh my God.
2: Melissa Reich, no worry. You're a Bush therapist. It doesn't matter. It's okay, right? (laughs)
1: Bye. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at sobaditsgoodwithryanbailey at gmail.com and follow the show at sobaditsgoodwithryanbailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to patreon.com forward slash sobaditsgood. Stay bad, baddies.
0: Betches.